Last week, uh, we took a look at a couple of verses, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, from Psalms chapter 16. Uh, we began looking at, at uh, uh, this whole thing of joy. Psalms uh, 16 verse 11 says, Thou will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And then just a, a, a short time, very, very hours or days before his, his uh, crucifixion, Jesus had shared with his disciples in John chapter 15, he shared this. He says, these things I've spoken to you, that your joy, might, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy would be full. So we, took, so we talked about that, that God's desire for followers of Christ, for Christians, for those who, who, who have been born again, who have been saved, that his desire is that we would walk in his joy, in fullness of joy. But I asked the question, why are so many believers not doing that? What is it that, that uh, some people say robs our joy or steals our joy? And we gave different, you gave different responses. And one of those was circumstances. And indeed, uh, it's, it seems like, uh, for me at least, I'm not, but it seems like, boy, when your circumstances are doing, are well and going great, boy, it's just easy to praise him. But in the midst of some of those challenges, uh, and then there was a challenge last week. Remember, I, I told you, I said, okay, you're, we're going to be challenged this week with circumstances that's going to, uh, you know, that's going to give us an opportunity to focus on, on Paul's secret. And uh, sure enough, uh, it was just Monday with me. I don't know about if any of you ever experienced that this week, but Monday, mine came Monday quickly. And uh, it, it'll seem simple to some, but to me it was, uh, it was explosive. Monday, Barbie and I were kind of tinkering around in the kitchen and doing some things, and, and I thought, man, I'm going you know, to help out here. And she was getting ready to, to fix a big supper she does often on Monday night. And so I said, I'll make jello. Now, that's about the extent. I know how to do that. I do. I've done it before. I'm pretty good at it. I've only messed it up a couple of times. But, I, but I, so I, I said, I'm going make a double batch of peach. Now, peach is the jello of choice in the Hilton household. You make peach jello. And everything is good. So, so I'm, I poured two boxes of that gelatin stuff in there. Got two cups of, of water in Barbie's glass measuring cup. Put it in the microwave. Got that stuff boiling. Poured that in there. And I'm stirring this up. Two minutes. You got to, I had it stirred up. Just smelling it. Then you add the two cups of cold water. So I poured the cold water into the, the glass measuring cup. And, and, and it didn't just crack. It exploded. It, it Boom. It went. I promise you. Glass went Everywhere. Now, after, after I realized that none in my eyes and none in Barbie's and they're both okay, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, know how red, you know how rednecks like explosions. I, I mean, it, it really did. There was glass everywhere, everywhere. Had, had glass in my jello. I had to pour out the jello, glass all in it. Barbie said, get the broom. And she got the broom and the dustpan. We swept. We swept twice. We got the vacuum cleaner. We vacuumed. Now, Barbie said, you can't leave it. They've got little feet, little barefoot feet. Them kids are coming here, and they'll get cut to pieces. It'll be your fault. Vacuum good. <laughs> and, then, and then she begins to clean off the counter. Glass everywhere. Now, I just, I, I will tell you that it, it, after the initial explosion, and I thought, wow. And now I'm thinking, and nobody was hurt. And now I'm thinking, man, what a bummer. And, I, and, and my first thought was, you remember, you remember the sermons, Sunday, Pastor? 
circumstances don't control our thinking, or they shouldn't. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to praise the Lord anyway, because I bought, I bought extra piece jello. So I <laughs> put that sucker away, and, I, and, 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 and we, after we got to cleaning up glass and everything, we just started again. Now, I don't know what challenged you with that, but as we were talking last week, we looked at Paul. Paul was, was writing, he wrote a letter to the Christians in Philippi. And Paul was writing this, he was under house arrest in Rome. He had always wanted to go to Rome to preach the gospel. But instead, he found himself going to Rome, not as a preacher, but as a prisoner. Okay? So he's under house arrest, and he is chained around the clock. 24-7, he's chained to one of the, uh, the Roman soldiers. And as he writes the letter to the, church, to the followers of Christ in, in Philippi, the letter to the Philippians, it is a letter that is crammed full with, with his counsel on how to stay joyful in spite of stuff. And the first thing that he was talking about is, is, is don't let circumstances rob your joy. Don't let circumstances determine how you're going to, what attitude you're going to have. And uh, he, he, he shared that, and his, his secret to that uh, that we looked at was in, found in, in chapter 1, verse 21. And Paul's secret to being joyful in spite of circumstances was what kind of mind? Help me. Yes, I am so thankful somebody remembered. I, I, I'm glad you didn't even tell her, did you? She remembered. <laughs> Praise the Lord. First service, we reviewed. We spent the rest of the morning reviewing. <laughs> Paul, Paul said that he had found that a single mind, and in verse, verse 21 of this first part of the letter, he says, for me to live is what? Christ. But to die is gain. Paul was, uh, was in chains, waiting his court date. And the court date, he did not know the outcome of. Either one of two things could happen. He could be found guilty of a crime he didn't commit, but he could be found guilty and sentenced to execution, beheading possibly. That was a very real possibility. Or he could be found innocent and exonerated. So Paul and his circumstances said, hey, look, if I'm found guilty, if I die, it's going to be great gain because then I'm going to see the one that I've been living for. Then I'm going to see the one that died for me. And there's great gain for the follower of Christ in eternity that's waiting on us. There's a crown of glory. There's all that he's prepared for us. And Paul said, if I die, it's great gain. But if I live, if they exonerate me and if I live, I want you to know it's for Christ. And so he said that one of the secrets of, of this single mind is that we determine that what happens to us is not as important as what happens to the gospel and the furtherance of the gospel. And Paul sharing that in his example of, of, of Jesus getting the glory, and he shared with the Philippians, he said, man, I, every time I think about you, I've got you on my mind. You're in my heart. I love you, he said. And he said, not only are you in my mind and on my heart, but he said, you're in my prayers. And he gave us that example from them. He loved them. Now, we want to pick up with there just a, just a little bit this morning, if you will, with me in Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to pick up with verse 12. You know, pastors love the rustle of leaves. That's like... That's like beautiful music. And now it's a lot of your, you know, you're on your iPads and you're on your phones. And you're just, yeah, I know. 
You technical, you technical people. I know you're there. Whether you get there by Russell or you get there by relief, just get there. Verse 12, Paul said, but I want, I want you to understand. I would, you should. He said, really, I want you to understand this. That the things which happened to me have fallen out, rather, unto the furtherance of the gospel. Now, remember back in verse 5, he was, when he was talking about how he remembered the Philippians, he said it's for the, in the fellowship of the gospel, fellowship in the gospel, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first time. And now he said, everything that's happening to me, he said, it's happened to me for the furtherance of my gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the, of the, in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now, some translations there are still saying bonds. What's it got? What? Barbie, I heard your voice above everybody's. That is, that is, I love you, baby. That is so precious. My ch- he said, my chains. The chains. He said, these chains. Now, think about that. Chains. Those chains were cumbersome. Those chains were heavy. Those thing, chains were uncomfortable. Those chains, to, to put it in mind, would have been a, a very constant irritation, cutting into his, possibly his ankles, wherever they were, the shackles there. And these chains that could have, that could have, that could have brought Paul into a, a deep place, of, a dark place of depression and discouragement, Paul could have easily thought, man, God, I've, I've served you. I, 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 I turned in you ever since the day that you appeared to me on the road. Uh, where is he going? To Damascus? Ever since then, I, I've, I've sought to, to walk with you. Yeah, I've went through persecution. I've went through beatings. I went through scourging. I've been faithful. And now, Lord, to end up in chains. I was ready to preach the gospel here, man. And these chains. And he could have, why? He could have been angry. He could have been discouraged. He could have been impressed. But instead, the God, the same God who used Moses' rod or Aaron's rod. If you're reading through the daily Bible reading, the little bookmark thing, like Barbie and I are this year, we're in Exodus. And last night we were reading about the rod, Aaron's rod, you know, Moses' rod, the same God who used that rod in Egypt. The same God who used the little sling of a little boy named David to, to down a fell a, a, a giant is the same God, Paul says, who is using Paul's chains for the furtherance of the gospel. Could you imagine? Could you imagine Paul, as, as Paul realizes what's going on, that Paul thought, Paul's thinking, Lord, I wanted to come here to preach the gospel, but I, how would I ever got to, to end? How would I ever got an audience with the Praetorian Guard? And now I are chained to him, you know, or he, I'm chained to him every, every, all the day. You know, I don't know, six hour shifts, eight hour shifts, but they change. And Lord, I'm, I, I'm getting opportunity and we're getting, these guys are hearing the gospel. Some of them are believing in you. They're becoming followers of you, man. So Paul is seeing this chains as a, as a source of joy instead of a source of, uh, of, of defeat and discourage. Look what he says in verse 18. And he talks about these chains. He talks about people. He said, and, and uh, the people are getting bold. And he said, by the way, when they're bold and they're preaching, verse 15, he said, some of them preach Christ out, out of envy and strife and others goodwill. Verse 16, he says, and some preach Christ of contention. They're really not sincere about it. They want, they're doing this because they're hoping to, to, to goad me or to irritate me or to just to do something else here. 
But he said, verse 18, what then? What then? What, what does other translations say there? So what then? What does it matter? What does it matter? However they're preaching. Look what it says. Whether, either way, whether they're preaching in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And what does he say? And because of that, I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. You've got to be kidding me. Paul is saying, hey, these chains of mine have made the believers bold, and they're sharing the gospel, and some of them are sharing them in, 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 in truth and in boldness. Others are, are really just trying to, to hurt me with what they're saying. But that doesn't matter. It, what difference does it make? Because Christ, Christ is being glorified. You remember this key to the single mind? Is that it's more about, it's not, it's not about me, it's more about Christ and the furtherance of the gospel. And Paul is saying, in that, I rejoice. Now, I've asked that, we talked about that, talked about my challenge Monday. Now, let me, let me ask a question. Do you ever let your chains, you say, well, I never, what, what, what do you, what do you, what's your chains? I want to talk about what's some chains that can steal your joy can affect your attitude. Remember, Psalm says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. A lot of times our attitudes precede our actions, you know, and to have a big pity party. We watched a gun smoke. I can't go there. It was a good gun smoke. Miss Kitty was feeling so sorry for herself, and Barbie's shaking her head. Don't go there with that. Uh, but it, wasn't, it didn't turn out good. But anyway, she and Matt are back together if you're watching, if you're still, you know, wonder what happened in, in Dodge. They're back together. But we can't let our circumstances control our attitudes or it will affect our actions. I want, I want to talk to you, give you some examples this morning, and, and then come back and, and, and wrap this up. I want, first, I want to talk about, and it just so happens that a lot of these examples are women. And, uh, and I love that. I told, I, I told first service, and Barbie, I, I'm just as bold with, I'm, really, I'm probably not as bold with you in here. Anyway, last, last evening... Barbie was texting her good friend out in, in Arizona, Evelyn Senecal, and they were they were texting back and forth, and uh, and, and I got to I just I got to see a blurb where Evelyn said, "You and I talking about she and Barbie are tough birds." Now I knew what she meant, but I was going to tell you immediately. My mind went to what kind of bird would I do? And, and I realized I hey I had better sense, Cal. I did not verbalize that thought, right? Cal is a man who takes those thoughts and process. I was processing that. These women, women are tough. You women are tougher than we men ever could. That's why, that's why God designed, you have, you have babies, man. Uh, uh, but, but God used them such a way. And the, and the first example I want to talk about is, is a mom. Because I know a lot of times, ladies, you, you, can, you can feel like, that you're tied to the house, especially if you have younger children, especially in that season of life with younger children. Uh, what about if you had 19 children? The, the lady I want to share with you first, first about had been pregnant 19 times, gave birth to 19 children. Now, that was before Pampers and Huggies and all these. They were, that was before you washed them, okay? You washed them. And uh, she could have easily, she could have found herself, and, and the marriage was not a real good marriage. Her, her dad had been a pastor, and she loved her dad very much, and her, and her, and her husband was in the ministry, but it was, a, it was a tough marriage. It was a contentious marriage, and uh, 
she could have easily found herself discouraged and feeling so disappointed, but she didn't. Or, or at least she didn't let that determine who she was. And she didn't let it determine her attitude. Matter of fact, let me, I've got a lot here. I'm talking to you about Susanna Wesley, right? Susanna Wesley. And uh, 10 of her kids lived to uh, maturity. Nine died earlier. Uh, she had a lot of, I mean, it says, you see a woman who endured pregnancy 19 times. That's enough. Nine children dying, hunger, extreme poverty. Her house, she lost her house in a fire, losing her house, loss of house and possessions, wayward children, lost all her family records. She lost her son. She lost everything. Some of her children were also in very poor marriages. But Susanna says this. She said, I am content to fill a little space if God is glorified. You hear what she's saying? She said, it ain't about me. If God gets the glory, if God's getting glory by me being at home and spending time with children, it's said that, Susanna, because of all the children, that oftentimes when she would go to prayer, she would just take her apron and cover her head. And her kids learned, the kids come to recognize that's when mom's with Jesus. That's when she's with Jesus. She determined that because she had so many children, she was still going to. So every week, she determined that she would have at least one hour with each child. And man, their sons, John and what's the other? Charles Wesley, the founders of Methodism. But she was not going to let her circumstances of being a stay-at-home mom or a mom with all these tragedies that happened. She wasn't going to let that chain her and destroy her joy if God should just get the glory, if Christ could be glorified. Let me share with you another. The, the next example I want to share with you is also a, a lady. But when this little girl was really young, really, really young, her mom's name was Mercy, which I love. But when she was really young, she got an eye infection. And their family doctor was, was not available, not there. But a, another person uh, said, I, I know what we need to do. We need to get rid of that infection in her eyes. We need to do it quickly and powerfully. So uh, bad treatment followed with mustard poultices, and it burned her eyes so that it blinded her as a little, as a little child. And she could have easily went into uh, discouragement. Matter of fact, says just a year after she was blinded by the incompetent doctor, her father caught a chill while working in a cold November rain, and he soon died thereafter. Um, let me read what this lady said. Just a, just a comment. She said... Uh, She considered, I'm quoting, her blindness a blessing, not a curse. Many would be tempted to call it. At once, at one once she said, it, I, it seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life. And I thank him for the dispensation. If perfect earthly sight were offered me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung hymns to the praise of God if I had been distracted by the beautiful, interesting things of the world around me. 
Fanny Crosby is wrote, it's estimated between 5,500 and 9,000 songs and hymns. And the reason they don't know exactly how many she wrote is because she didn't want the recognition. She didn't want the... She didn't want the praise. So a lot of times she wrote a lot of them under pseudonyms or, uh, or other names. But she wrote between 5,500 and 9,000 hymns and songs. One of the most familiar ones that we'd be acquainted with would probably be Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation. Wow. Fanny Crosby refused to let her blindness make a cripple out of her. Let me, let me get a little bit more current. Fanny Crosby is an early 19th century. Let me, let me get a little bit more current. Um, another lady. I'm, I'm getting to a man in a minute, ladies. I, a man. Some men said, there's not, are there not any tough men? Yes, there are. Well, let me, let me give you another lady. This lady and her sister were, were uh, living in World War II, and they were part of the ones that would hide the, the Jewish people from the Nazis when they would come to collect them, around them up, and send them to concentration camps. But, uh, but eventually, Corey and her sister Betsy were arrested and sent to Ravensbrück, a German concentration camp. And they were put in a barrack, and I uh, saw the picture of, of one of the barracks, of a similar one, and it, the, the bunks were, were three stories high, and just a little space, actually not enough space to sit up in the bunks, and it was just cram-packed with women. Let me, let me just read this. Corey and Betsy, suddenly Corey startles, raises up in bed, and she hits her head on the cross slats above. Something had bitten her leg. Flee, she cried. Betsy, the place is swarming with them. Descending from the platform and urgent, uh, edging down a narrow aisle, they made their way to a patch of light. Here, and here's another one, Corey. Well, Betsy, how can we live in such a place as this with fleas? Show us. Show us how, Betsy said matter-of-factly. And it took Corey a moment to realize that her sister was praying. Corey, Betsy then explained excitedly. He's given us the answer before we ask, as he always does. In the Bible this morning, where, where was it? Read that part again. In a Bible that, that they had been able to smuggle in and not be not caught in when they searched, they read the passage from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's look at it again. This is what they had read that morning. Now we exhort you, brethren... Warn those who are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. See that no one render evil for evil to any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Now look at verse 18. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, I've asked Craig and uh, Matthews is doing You're so good up there, young Matthews. Uh, we've got this in a, in a couple of translations. What does it mean in everything? Let's look at what we've got. NIV. Give thanks in all... Wait a minute. 
Give thanks in, in what? All circumstances. Give thanks what? That's good. About a fourth of you've got that. All right. Let's, let's, see, if we, let's see if we wake up. Hey, nudge the ones next to you. What does it say? Give thanks what? In all circumstances. Ray, wait a minute, 75%. Really good. In all circumstances. Why? Why? Because this is God's will for you. All right, we got another translation. They may, that may have been, a, a, maybe we don't like that. Let's go to the New Living. Be thankful what? In all circumstances. Let's try to get 100% this time, okay? Let's just try to get, be thankful in all circumstances. Why? Because this is God's will for those who belong to Christ. Let's look at another translation. It's English Standard Version. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is the will of God for you in Jesus Christ. Let's go to the RSV. What does it say? Give thanks in all circumstances. I kinda, you kind of get the message? You kind of get the message? Now, this is what Corey and Betsy had read that morning as they secretly read scriptures. And now she's saying, we're, we're, to, we're to thank God for these fleas. Fleas were eating them up. If you've ever had one flea on you, I mean, I, I, if, 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 they can buy. No wonder uh, they can drive a dog crazy. And if they, well, I'm not going to go there. It's not, good. it's not a good thing to talk about in public. Okay? But fleas. And so Corey and Betsy said, we're supposed to thank God for these. Now, we know as you read the story, if you've read The Hiding Place or you've read about Corey's life, you know that later on they would learn that the German uh, soldiers and the guard people would often go into the barracks and abuse the women and treat them horribly. But they never came in to this barrack. Why? Because word had spread in camp. Flea infested. Stay away. And, and, and that which Satan had meant for evil, that which, can you imagine? Can you imagine having to come to a place, the Lord, thank you. And, and you got bites all over you. You probably get to name them. I had a guy come up this morning after service. No, I'm going to tell you he was. But he, he, had, he had more hair than I did, obviously, most of you do. But he said, Jerry, he said, I've named my gray hairs. I thought that's pretty cool. God's got them numbered, but you got them named. <laughs> and he started to name them. He said, you know, I've got this number of kids. This one's for him, and this one's for her, and this one's for this other one, and all the rest of them are, are for that one. Can, can you imagine? And probably, I wonder if that, you know, they're naming the fleas. Oh, this is, this is old, and we're going to call him Frank because he don't have many teeth, can't bite hard. This is a young whippersnapper. He's really aggressive. Really young. I don't know. But all I know is that Betsy and Corey, according to the account, refused to let the circumstances of being in a flea-infested barrack discourage them and cause them great uh, depression and anger and bitterness. And they could have easily said, God, we're here. We were, we were hiding the, your people. We were doing what you wanted us to do. We don't understand now why you've got us here. Chains. Paul said, I'm rejoicing in my chains. I told you I'd get to, to a man. Let me get a little bit more current. He was with us first service. It was last year, last fall. <clears throat> Bob Neely was cleaning out his hay bailer. Bob and Sally uh, grow, grow hay commercially. And uh, they really do great. And so he was cleaning out his hay baler after, after a day's work. And the baler's on, and somehow or another it got a hold of, of Bob's clothing and pulled him into the hay baler. Pulled in his right arm into the hay baler. 
and the thing that, that it could have killed him easily, the thing that saved him is that the belts and the, uh, came down on his arm and actually served as a tourniquet on the arm, and the lower part of his arm was just shredded, literally shredded, shredded. Sally sees him. Sally calls 911. They come out. They airlift him from the field. Bob could have easily died. It's miraculous he didn't. But he's in Gainesville. He's in northeast Georgia. And the, uh, the, that, that happened. Barbie and I happened to be down there. We get the news. We, we go to the hospital. I think it's maybe the next day. Was it the next day? That was Saturday. It may have been Friday. I don't remember. But we go to northeast Georgia to, to see Bob and Sally. And I'm expecting, man, you know, it's a miracle he's, he's alive. But we go into the room. I'll never forget that Saturday. Never will. Bob and Sally were in there, and his, his former pastor from down south, low south Georgia was there. And, and it, was, it was almost immediately, there was this connection, and, uh, and, and we just wondered if they get thrown out because we laughed so much. And uh, Bob, first service, he said, he said, you couldn't script anything that happened like that. Uh, and it, 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 one story led to another and it was just a remembrance of, of, of stories and situations and God's, it's funny. And the nurses would come in and Bob said, he said, I think they were really coming in to see what we were saying and laughing so much, but they would come in and out and pretend they were checking on him. But it would have been easy for Bob to have went to a place of said, hey, I'm a farmer. I've been a Christian. We've been trying, we're trying to live for you, Lord. And now I am here in this. And what, how can I farm? How can I do all this with one arm? Because they took his arm off, took his arm off here. But he's, he's getting that bionic arm. They, they've fitted him for it. They've done all the adjustments, hopefully. And he's hoping about two weeks to, to come in with that bionic thing. You better watch out if he does that. But, but we were talking about that. Bob, if you talk to Bob and Cindy, and they gave their testimony. How, how many of y'all were in Allen's equipped class last Sunday night? All right, all right, a few. Oh, come on. How many was in Allen's equipped? Hold your hands up. Thank you. All right. They shared their testimony, Mike. And it was powerful. It was powerful how that which Satan could have used to make him bitter, angry, going through life as a cripple, instead, instead of breaking him, it's brought them closer to their relationship with their Heavenly Father and to each other. Circumstances, circumstances for Bob, for Fanny and for Betsy, for Susanna's life, for Corey's uh, not Fanny and Betsy, Corey and Betsy, or for, for Fanny Cross, this, this circumstances, they refused to let them determine their attitude. Their chains were used for furthering the gospel. And Paul said, my chains have, have fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel, and I'm rejoicing, and I'm going to rejoice, he says in verse 18. Twice, he said, I, I rejoice in that. Now, let's get really personal in closing. You know, we talk about, as, a, as believers oftentimes, when we come to the Lord and, and he saves us, a lot of times, sometimes we have baggage, okay? Sometimes we have baggage and we talk about guilt, we talk about shame, or we talk about fear. And, and, and even, even after the Lord has forgiven us of our sins, sometimes when I look in the mirror, I know I'm forgiven, but when I look in the mirror, I see, I, I see that, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm ashamed, and, I, and the guilt. And I have to quickly go to a place and say, but I don't, have to, I don't have to accept that guilt anymore because my Father forgave me. 
And when I try to talk to him about that guilt and that shame, he says, what guilt? What shame? Because he has removed them and put them in a place of not remembering them. Because I'm a new creation in Christ. We talk about that freedom we enjoy. Adam talks, sings a song about the chains have fallen off. Those chains of doubt and of fear and of guilt. But there can be other chains this morning. We've talked about chains of circumstance. And we've mentioned several of those. You didn't get accepted into the school you thought you was going to get in. You didn't get the job that you thought you was going to get. Well, I can laugh about this now. Barbie, <clears throat> Barbie had a birthday last week. She never put her birthday offering in, but I would not mention it. Lord help me, I would not mention it. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. But anyway, if I, if I, if I, if I were, uh, and I'll not tell you which one it was, it's just we're, we're mature now. And, uh, and we, look, we look back, and I said, honey, do you remember the birthday that you cried on your birthday? Barbara, was that, was that 22? Yeah, she said, it's my 22nd birthday. Now, this is pretty traumatic to me. And you know, here, here we are young. And she, it was a tough day. And I said, and, I, and so I'm, I'm thinking, I, now at that time, I hadn't, we hadn't been married that long. And I, and I couldn't have messed up that bad in that short of time. And I'm thinking, what did I do? She's crying on her birthday. And finally, she tells me, because she, she, all the books she had read, that the heroines, 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 the women in the book who were the heroes, I don't, all right, that she, said, she said most of them had, had accomplished everything they was going to accomplish by the time they were 22, and they'd, they'd done it. And she said, I was 22, and here I was married to you. And then I cried. <laughs> Praise God for, he's good. But can, do, you, do you see what, see what I'm saying? We, if we aren't careful, some of us can let our, what we, what we don't have affect us more than what we do have. Some of us look at what we can't do and we keep that from doing us what we can do. Paul could have said, hey, how can I preach the gospel? I'm chained here in the house of these dadgum guards. And instead he said, praise the Lord, I got these guards coming in. I don't have to go get them. They come to me. And I'm going to share Jesus with them. You know, we look at each one of these people and their circumstances were difficult. My challenge this week with the breaking of the boom of the glass that, that's, that sounds so simple, so silly. Some of you this week, and I know this, some of your circumstances were much more challenging. First week, Miss Francis down in Atlanta Hospital wanted to do a heart cath, had a mild heart attack. It's a big deal. That's a big deal. Makes, it makes kind of the little measuring cup exploding seems insignificant, don't it? Some of you have had circumstances this week that were big deals Physically, maybe circumstances, maybe family are different related. But it's interesting, even little circumstances, irritants, can become big if we don't have that single mind. And the single mind, and I remember thinking, for, for really, oh, I really did. After the boom and after the glass went over, and I, after I thought, that was pretty dead, Jim, because, wow. But Barbie was just glad we weren't hurt. And I'm thinking, you know, I could really get upset. I, I lost, I've got to start all over on the jello, lost that double batch, but I had bought enough to do no others. 
But instead, I, I, thought about, I thought about this message. Now, I just want to tell you this one of the times I thought, I am not going to let that determine my attitude and me get all bent out of shape over a measuring cup. I can't believe how, believe how expensive those re- others are. I told I said, I'll go to Walmart and get some other this week. And I did. Got a good one. And it's got big letters on it. I can read it. It's just better. Okay? <laughs> and I'm not going to boil water in and then pour cold water in. Okay? I've learned that. But whatever your circumstances that you've been faced with this week, don't let those, for a person with a single mind, if we come to the place of saying, it's not about me, it's more about him. It's not about what happens to me, it's more about what's happening with the gospel. Boy, that can change everything. Physical challenges. Fanny Crosby could have went there. We got Sam Hogsett is working on a on a deal for a, another wild game dinner, maybe in the fall of this year. We were talking this week about it. Some of you remember. You remember the, the young guy we came came and spoke to us. His name was Daniel. Daniel was born with no arms. Any of y'all remember Daniel? Good, You'll, because he's Lord willing, he's coming back. He's, I hope they have him on. He's going to speak at the wild game there, and he'll be with us Sunday morning. <clears throat> Daniel came, and, and I'll never forget because you love things like this when they happen to somebody else and not you. Daniel's here. He's going to speak. Dar- I don't think Daryl's met him, but Daryl gets up here, and the first praise and worship we so- song we sing is, I'll just lift my hands and praise the Lord. <laughs> and I'm sitting over there, I'm sitting over there, and I'm thinking, that is so cool. I, that, I wonder what Daniel's going to do. <clears throat> but, he, but you know how Daryl is. He just goes through it and saying, we, so Daniel comes up, and he speaks, and it, it was so cool. His, his mom and dad, when, when, they were, when she was carrying him, the doctor said, You're, this baby is, is uh, probably is going to have, it's going to have some, it's going to be special needs. It's going to have some challenges. It may not be fully developed. Matter of fact, we don't see any, any limbs here. <clears throat> and we suggest, we recommend that you abort this baby. And the mom and dad said, this, this baby is a gift from God. God's in control of this. The doctor said, you don't know what you're getting yourself in for. It's going to be a, it's going to be a lot, of, lot, lot more work than what you expect. But they... They, praise the Lord, Daniel was born. <clears throat> he just wrote a, a book, and he was just on Fox and Friends the last two weeks about this book. What, a, what an attitude he has. He refuses to let the fact that he doesn't have any arms. That's not who he is. But God is using those chains to give him an opportunity to share the gospel. And I'll never forget, it's so cool, Fred. After he spoke that Sunday <clears throat> evening, we went to the Mexican restaurant to eat. And Daniel was, and I love, this is so cool. Preachers love this stuff. <clears throat> so we go in and, and order the food, and I'm thinking, I'm going to see how he does this. And so they bring him a bowl of soup to start with. And before I know it, he's done slipped shoes off, doesn't have socks on, and he's got that spoon between his big toe and the other toe. That leg up on the table, I can't even get mine up there now. If I did, he'd have to call a chiropractor to get me undone. <laughs> but but he's, he's sitting there, he's sitting there sipping soup. You know, with his feet. Now, his feet were clean. His toes were clean. But here he is. And it's so cool because one thing I loved about it, in Mexican restaurant, and we got a table in that first part. And you know how, you know how when you come in and you see something and, and, you, and you want to look, but you don't want to stare, right? You know how that is. You, you want to be, you want to be, you need to be, everybody's not as suave and sophisticated and cool as I am when it comes to stuff like that. <laughs> but people would come in, people, Lord, I've done preached part of the microphone off. Craig, I found it. Anyway, people would come into the first part of the restaurant, and they would, here he is, and they would see his leg crossed up and, and him taking a sip, and they would kind of go by, and they were, I loved it. Now, I want to tell you, that's how 
how the world needs to be looking at you and me. Not as weird as freaks, but just looking and saying, how can they be joyful? Don't, don't, they, don't they realize what's going on in their life? Yeah. And you pray for Brody. And you pray for your, other, you pray for your grandson. And you pray for your spouse. And you pray for your surgery Tuesday. And you pray. But you don't let that determine who you are. Because what happens to me and what happens to you is not near as important as Jesus getting the glory. And when we can live our lives with that single mind, we can walk in that joy. His joy. Fullness of joy in His presence. What change are you dealing with this morning? You may say, hey, I know I'm saved and I've been saved and nothing can shake me from that. But you may realize the Holy Spirit may be saying, you know what? Yeah, but you're letting this determine your attitude or this circumstances. Now, some of you, some of you, and I know some of you are saying, hey, my circumstances, I got that thing down. You know, I got that thing down. No matter what happens, I I think I'm doing pretty good with that. Circumstances, I'm good with. Jerry, but it's the dadgum people. Chapter 2, read it. We'll probably go there soon. <laughs> Paul, Paul realized people can't, you know, they, they, as, as, uh, not any of you, but I hear, and I hear in other organizations and, and around the county that there may be sometimes that people robs people's joy. But no, 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 nobody here, but we will talk about that and look at that so that you can minister to your friends, okay? <laughs> circumstances. Don't let circumstances dictate the attitude because you've got a single mind that to live is Christ. Let's pray. Well, Lord, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing you take us to this place. You take us to this place where one of your servants, one of your faithful servants, one of your, man, faithful servants has been uh, wrongly accused. He's now shackled in chains. But instead of letting those chains dictate his attitude, instead of letting those chains shape his thinking, he's rejoicing because he realizes that in his chains, the gospel is being feathered. Oh, Lord, help us to walk in that this morning, that single-mindedness that says whatever happens to us is not as important as what you get in the glory and a furtherance of the gospel means. Father, I pray that. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to pray with some of you this week, this morning. It, 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 wasn't, it, it wasn't that your measuring cup didn't explode. But maybe this week you found yourself in, a, in some of those circumstances beyond your control that you couldn't fix, you couldn't change. And all of a sudden you realized, hey, this is tough, but I'm not going to let it steal my joy. I want, I want to pray with you. Nobody, please don't look around. Nobody look around. But if, if, if that's where you are and you're saying, Pastor, my circumstances are tough. If I started to go into detail, it'd be overwhelming. But they're tough. But I want to walk in this joy because I want to focus on Christ. And it's about Him and not me. I want you to pray with me. Just hold your hand up and keep it up because I want to pray with you. Father, you see these hands. and These hands represent hearts. They represent in some situations homes and families groups of people but we're honest before you this morning that our desire as followers of Christ is to have this single mind that it's all about you 
And when it becomes about you more than it is about me or about us, then circumstances are not going to be able to dictate our attitude. So Father, I pray for these this morning, with their hands raised. Lord, that you, you're already there in their circumstances with them, but I pray they'd see you clearly and walk with you closely in Christ. Put your hands down. Thank you. Now, this morning, I really realized that, hey, it's very possible you're here today. Maybe, maybe you're here a lot. Maybe you're here very regularly. Maybe you're not. But it doesn't matter. But maybe you've just, somehow or another, you just thought by starting to go to church or being in church was what it was about. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning and saying, hey, you've never trusted me as your Savior. Those circumstances that you're in, yeah, I'm there in the circumstances, but I want to be there in you in the circumstances. And I can only do that when you invite me into your heart. And this morning you realize I've never done that, but I want to do that this morning. But again, with nobody looking around, if you just raise your hand, I want to pray with you. Father, you see the hands are raised. And God, these hands also represent hearts. They're hearts that know about you, but this morning they're saying, I know enough about you that I need you as my Savior and I want you to come into my life. Come into my life right now and save me. Thank you. Put your hands down. Now, Father, you be glorified. Let it become a reality more than ever before for us to live. Each day is Christ. In his name I pray. Amen.